How did the New Testament writers employ the use of the Old Testament in their own writings? My name is Mark Bricker, and this is Beyond the Notes. This past Sunday, we looked at a familiar passage in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 14, and we went all the way through chapter 7, verse 1. But it's the very beginning of verse 14 when Paul gives the command that really establishes the, the theme for that entire passage when he says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, Paul goes on, obviously, to expound on that command, and he gives essentially his reasoning as well as God's reasoning why that's an important command. And he begins, first of all, with those rhetorical questions that we looked at, but then he moves into a section where he makes the statement that, that they, the Corinthians there in Corinth, were the temple of the living God. And from there, he makes a statement after that statement that he makes that they are the temple of the living God. He says, and God said... And as we talked about Sunday, it, it, it sounds like he's setting up, uh, you know, to quote a, a passage from the Old Testament. That it, and even in our Bibles, you know, we have that next, really those three verses indented, and it looks like it's a, it's a quote from, from Scripture. And it is, and it isn't in the same way. It's, it's a little bit different. And so I thought it would be good because I didn't have time Sunday to kind of explain how do New Testament writers like the Apostle Paul utilize the Old Testament in their own writing and in their own teaching. And so Paul doesn't just pick one passage here in this, these verses 16, 17, and 18. What Paul does is he actually has a, he weaves uh, a mosaic, if you will, of multiple, multiple different Old Testament passages, verses into this one composite section that he then tells or writes down for the Corinthians there in Corinth. And so I want to read that section. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at, at three of the primary ways that New Testament writers like the Apostle Paul, and we're also going to look at an example from, from Luke, one of the, the gospel writers, and how they utilize Old Testament scripture. And it's a little bit different than how we might tend to use it today. So verse 16 begins with what agreement has the temple of God with idols for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Now, these three verses are a great example of one of the ways that new to how New Testament writers quote and utilize the Old Testament in their writings. But before we get to that one, let me show you a couple of other ways that New Testament writers employed the Old Testament in their writings. Now, hopefully you're at a place where you can open your Bible right now, open an app that you can get to the text because it'll be helpful as we go through this. If not, maybe you have a chance when you get home, if you're driving in your car right now, don't do it if you're in the car. Are, but when you get home, you'll have a chance to do this. But the first thing I want to look at is Romans chapter four, verse three. And this is when they will quote a version of the text of the Old Testament, 
but not exactly, but pretty close almost to word for word, but just a little bit off. And Romans 4, 3 says, for what does the scripture say? And now he's going to quote, and he's actually quoting Genesis 15, 6 here. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now here's what the original text, Genesis 15 says, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So pretty close. And we see that quite a bit where a New Testament writer will take an Old Testament text and pretty much almost word for word quote it in their passage. Now, the second way is they quote the passage according to the sense of the passage, not according to the letter. It's not exact. And I guess the best analogy for me on this is when I have memorized a verse like years ago and I try to to share that with somebody, I don't always get it word for word, letter for letter, it, but it, I usually get the sense of the verse. But here's an example. We see uh, Luke in, his, uh, in Acts, actually, Acts chapter 2, verses 25 through 28. And I'm going to do a little comparison here because he's quoting from Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11. And, it, and, it's, and it's pretty close. It really is. In fact, some sections are almost word for word. But verse 25 says, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Now, Psalm says, I have set the Lord always before me. Luke said, I have set the Lord. Here says, I, or Luke says, I saw the Lord. Psalm says, I have, or David said, I have set the Lord. Uh, and the next verse says, therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. Verse 9 of Psalm 16 says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. Doesn't mention the tongue, but my whole being rejoices. And then, ends similar, my flesh also dwells secure, instead of my flesh also dwells in hope. And I won't go through the rest of that. You can do that on your own, but it is interesting to see, interesting to see how close it is, and the sense of it comes across pretty pretty clearly there. Now, the third way, and this is what we saw Paul doing in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, is when they blend different passages together. So they're taking texts from different areas of scripture in the Old Testament, maybe even from different books in the Old Testament, and they're bringing them together. But, and again, it, it, it's not going to say the exact same thing you'd see anywhere in Scripture, but the sense, the combined sense does line up with what Scripture says. An example of that, uh, if you want to, I'm going to give you one, then we're going to look specifically at the one from Sunday. But Romans 3, uh, verses 10 through 18, there are five different Psalms and the book of Isaiah that are quoted in Romans 3, 10 through 18. And it's in that passage that Paul draws from several of these Old Testament verses to make his point about the universal nature of our sin as human beings. And he weaves these Old Testament passages together to, to really present a comprehensive picture of our sinfulness uh, and our need for God's grace. So th that's one you might want to take some time to compare yourself that's Romans 3, 10 through 18. And, uh, and you'll be able to get the, the references in Psalms and Isaiah from the little, uh, little indexes and footnotes in your Bible. The next one, though, is what we looked at Sunday. And this is what I told you we'd spend a little bit of time walking through. I've already read the passage, 2 Corinthians 6, 16 through 18. And at the very beginning, we said that it, he starts with, as God said. And he's introducing this statement to believers there in Corinth that 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 not only are they the living temple uh, or the, the temple of the living God, 
But now I'm going to tell you why that's true. Now, in this first verse, 16, he quotes potentially from three different sources. And I want to give you these. The first is Leviticus 26, verses 11 through 12, Jeremiah 24, 7, and Ezekiel 37, 27. Now, there are multiple places that overlap in what he, I'm going to read that again. Verse 16 in the, in the passage we looked at Sunday, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Leviticus 26, 11 says, I will make my dwelling among you. So very similar right there. But then the rest of the passage doesn't really go. He says, and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you. There's the part that's familiar again and will be your God and you shall be my people. So that part is exactly like what Paul quoted. Jeremiah 24, seven says, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord. And here's the, the common part. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. Again, very similar to the last part of verse 16 that we looked at Sunday. Ezekiel 37, 27 says, my dwelling place shall be with them. Very similar to, I will make my dwelling among them. And then the end of that verse says, I will be their God and they shall be my people. Again, almost word for word. So this first verse has potentially three different books of the Bible, three different passages, passages that he's using in that. The next verse 17, when he says, therefore go out from their midst, be separate from them, touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome them. This is a really a free quotation from Isaiah 52, 11, uh, which says, depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing, go out from their midst of her, purify yourselves, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. So again, Paul is using this passage here in Isaiah. So now we're up to four different books, Leviticus, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Isaiah in these first two verses. The last verse, verse 18, is a little tougher. It's, it's uncertain what particular passage in the Old Testament the Apostle Paul had in mind. Now, there's a couple of possibilities. 2 Samuel 7, 14 is one. When, uh, when that passage reads, I will be his father and he will be my son, uh, which is similar to, and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me. But others think it might be Isaiah 43, 6, uh, when it says, bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. So again, here we are potentially up to at least five, maybe even six different Old Testament texts that Paul is drawing from. And again, the Apostle Paul, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, being an apostle, uh, has the ability, like no one else, to be able to do what he's doing here and putting this passage together, putting this letter together that he's sending to the Corinthian Christians, addressing their struggle with being unequally yoked with unbelievers. Just a couple of final thoughts. When we see passages like this, it's I think it's helpful for us to go back and and to look and 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 see where these where this comes from, and also to be able to look at the context as well, because oftentimes the context gives us clues to the meaning that the New Testament writer is trying to convey, because the New Testament writer understood the context of the Old Testament, most likely a lot better than we would even understand. But it does it is helpful for us to do that. And we notice that the New Testament writers never quote as having authority any other book 
than those books coming from the Old Testament. Now, they'll reference other historical and literary sources, but they never quote any non-Old Testament writings as authoritative or divinely inspired sources. So that's also just a good reminder to know when you're reading as well. So I would encourage you as we wrap up to take some time to study closely that passage that we looked at Sunday, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and look at those three verses, 16, 17, and 18, and notice how Paul so skillfully weaves those Old Testament scripture passages together to communicate the truth that we in fact are the temple of the living God and that we are to live separately, live differently, live distinctively, not unequally yoked with unbelievers. Well, that wraps up another episode of Beyond the Notes. I look forward to seeing you this coming Sunday. God bless.